the Nikki Burns Show with Jenny Green. The Nikki Burns Show with Jenny Green. Yeah. 2FM. Now, this is something very interesting. I think it's a great time for us to be doing this. It may only be the beginning of yet another year, but many of us are continuing the, the cycle, should I say, of being overwhelmed despite promising ourselves this year. It was going to be different. Big change is scary, sometimes enough to make us all give up. Uh, psychologist Trish and Ashing Leonard Curtin, they have written a book and it is called Power of Small, Making Tiny But Powerful Changes When Everything Feels Too Much. And uh, Ashling is joining me in studio now to share a little bit of insight. So welcome. I know Trish is meant to be with you, so she's not here today. So we wish her a speedy recovery, but you are here to, to represent... Absolutely. So, uh, so You're getting one for the price of two. Exactly. It's not usually the way you like <laughs> it to go. It. So look, talk to us anyway first. January is a bit of a miserable month and it feels like the longest month in history. Why then do we decide to put all these things on ourselves in this at the same time? It's kind of a bit too much. We can get overloaded. It's absolutely too much. The amount of people that I've met who have done injuries to themselves, they went for not going to the gym at all to trying to go five days a week for an hour or two hours. And it's, it's just unrealistic. It's unsustainable. It doesn't bring any joy into people's lives. So naturally, then they just kind of go back to their pattern before Christmas and I think in Ireland in particular we're very much into extremist culture it's like people just go out and they drink and eat everything in sight in December not everybody but a lot of yeah. a lot of Irish culture and then this, there's this idea of dry January and no sugar January and everything and most people can't sustain that and um, really the power small is are making s- tiny but powerful changes when everything feels too much so that if we know what our comfort zone is obviously we're not going to get anything if we stay in our comfort zone but what most people do is they try and break out of their comfort zone too far mm-hmm. and then that's just not manageable or sustainable so we might feel great by doing something radically different but the chances of keeping that up for anything more than a couple of weeks are, are fairly minimal so this is more about a, a graded um, way of changing that that is kind of psychologically healthier for us. And where does this stem from personally for you? Was this something you always felt strongly about that were, you know, kind of, were you someone who did these things in January that you weren't going to do X, Y, and Z? Or did you always know that this was too much? Oh, I think I'm like most people. I think my natural tendency was all or nothing, you know, just kind of really try and kind of change lots of things and not be able to sustain things. And um, when I worked with clients, I just saw that that was what was happening again and again and again. Um, that people would come in and they'd say, look, Ashling or and I know people would say to Trisha that look my life is a mess I just want to change my relationships I want to change my work I want to change my health my well-being everything all like in one swoop and the reality is people were just getting really disillusioned and I know from personal experiences when I tried to do that I became very disillusioned as well. So what way should we be starting out then? Do you say to people when they come into you to kind of write out a list? Because what you mentioned there when you're saying, you know, I want to I want to maybe change my relationship. I want to change my job. That's a lot to, yeah. to suddenly take on and to cope with. You know, most of us can only deal with one tiny change. And even then, depending on our mental yeah. state, it can tip us over the edge. But to, to contemplate changing that much is just seems like ludicrous. Absolutely. And, and w- one of my colleagues, um, is a psychologist, Dr. Kirk Strassel, who's one of the creators of Acceptance and Commitment Therapy, he said something that always remained in my mind. He said, you know, for every additional goal we set ourselves, we, we give ourselves 50 percent less chance of fulfilling any of them. And I thought that's really a really yeah. solid advice, you know, because the natural tendency is let's try and do 10 things. And I think. You know, I, I came to psychology because I struggled with anxiety in my own life. So when somebody was in front of me and they were suffering, I generally wanted to kind of give them everything I knew because you know, 
you know yourself it's always easier to see how other people can change rather than us ourselves so I'd want to give everything to people all at once but it was just too much and people's brains were just going Can't but compute. it sort of ties into when you say what we say to other people for anyone who has let's say they've done dry January they had a weak moment they fell off the wagon but it happened to their friend they would sort of they would console them and say don't be worrying about it but then we hammer ourselves when we just aren't perfect Big time. And that's a really key kind of message within the power of small is that our natural tendency is often towards shaming ourselves. So we fall off the bandwagon and then we say, look, I'm bad. Uh, You know, I've done this wrong. And we kind of just get completely blinkered by that. That's all we can see. And what the psychological research shows us is that the more we go into shame mode, the more we actually keep on doing the things that we don't want to be doing. So if we can be compassionate to ourselves, like we would be to a friend and say, look, yeah, okay, you did engage in some actions that didn't necessarily bring you towards who and where you want to be yet in this moment you can choose something new rather than this idea of in for a penny in for a pound I know <laughs> yeah. this is it. we're Irish, Irish. <laughs> I know it. that's the problem um, so is there is there a better time of year that we like I'll, I'll hold my hand up and be honest I've never done dry January and I've always said if I was going to do that that I'd probably do it in maybe March or something mm-hmm. when it didn't seem like you mm-hmm. were just putting all of this January is such a tough month anyway mm-hmm. and while I'm not suggesting for anyone to be going out and spending it in the pub sometimes it's nice to just unwind it depends whatever it mm-hmm. is that, that helps you unwind you know at a weekend so should we be doing it at a different time of year is January a lot to be putting even when you talk about like I started going back to the gym mm-hmm. um, straight after Christmas and I was going every day but I just found it was so cold even leaving the house trying to mm. you know put on the gear and psych yourself up I found that even difficult I felt if it was a bit warmer I might mm-hmm. find it a bit easier I think the reality is there's no ideal time to make these changes mm. and I think it's more so looking at how we're trying to make these changes when we're trying to make them so radically and make these big massive changes they're probably not going to be sustainable whether they're in January or March or June or September I think it's really trying to kind of come back from that all or nothing idea in the first place and to kind of say okay well what are my values underlying the changes I want to make because a lot of the time we, we say we want to make these changes because we think we have to or because we read it in a magazine or because we saw it on TV or um, what have you and I think it's around okay well what is it that I really want so you know dry January in many ways is like a, a dead person's goal if mm. pardon the expression but it's something that a corpse can do easier than we can do and generally if you set goals in line with your values like what's important to me and rather than say I don't want to do this it's like what do I want to do instead so for example if somebody things look I do realize I was kind of having a lot of wine or cheese or what have you in December it might be like saying okay before I sit down to have my wine and cheese just to connect in on myself and say like what is this really about because it could be oh I'm exhausted <laughs> you know and yeah. I just actually need you know a couple of, or sometimes I might be like I do want to have a, a glass of wine but I'll have one glass of wine rather than a bottle of wine well that's it and I think the other important thing is that when you want to change and do something you really as, as cliche as it sounds you really have to do it because you want to do mm. it. And I would give an example of even years ago. I th- Thankfully, I don't anymore. But I did used to smoke and people would always say to me, when are you going to give up? And I said, I, I don't know. And my problem was I'd never tried to give up because I didn't want to. Mm. And I knew it was going to be difficult anyway. And I mm. thought, unless I really want it for myself, mm. there's no point in me even trying because I know yeah. I'll fall off the wagon straight away. And I think it's about waiting for that moment and going, right, I'm doing it, but I'm doing it for me. Absolutely. Can I say like what's important in this for me? Mm. Because if we're just doing it for other people's reasons, it's 
it's not going to have any roots or groundedness in it. So a lot of it is like, well, why is this important to me? What will this give me? You know, is it that um, I'll have more finances that I can put into going on holidays instead? Or, you know, is it that I want to kind of feel healthier or what have you? But we need to find the reason for us. It's never going to be enough to have reasons for other people. As the questions come in here uh, for you, it says, I want to make a change, but I actually have no idea what to do. My friends and partner ask me what I'd like to do, but I don't know what it is. I'd love to create time to uh, to write, but I fill my days with family chores and work commitments. I need to exercise for my health, but I haven't found anything that I really enjoy. I'm just a bit lost. Any idea of where to start? Now, I know that's probably a lot to throw at you now. It's okay. Yeah. Um, so one thing I will say is that sometimes we get, we fall into this belief and we become blinkered with this belief that we need to know where is the right place to start before we start. Mm. So what I'd suggest to, the, to that listener is to start with one thing and just notice, okay, well, why do I want to do this? So try and get the roots down for that one thing, not to get overly kind of caught up in whether that's the right thing to start with and just start and then notice what happens as you do that. And if the tendency is to think that you need to have, like I know even for us during the writing process, we thought we needed to have vast amounts of time to write, but the best um, material that we put into the book was when we were, you know, writing in, in smaller chunks. So it might be even just noticing why is it important to write, take some time to write. Generally, it's best to do something earlier on in the day because if you do it later on in the day, just all your commitments to other people will happen. And I think we really need to look at why are we honouring commitments to other people more so than commitments to ourselves. So there might be some com- self-compassionate mm-hmm. work. And I think this is one particular listener, but I, I, I imagine that there are so many people listening saying, this could be me. So I'd say start with one thing. You can even just pick it out of a hat. Like if it's like around yeah. exercise or it's about writing, start with one thing and notice what happens as you do that. You know, do you feel more fulfilled in yourself? If so, keep going. If not, try something else. Uh, but I really think that's one of the big things that holds us back is we think that we're going to get this kind of light bulb moment where it's like this is the right thing and sometimes we don't know what's right for us until we actually start doing small different things but once we start doing them we've got a sense of whether this is actually helpful for and us and you can not. kind of and it'd be easier you can kind of get into a routine but we're almost out of time but I do need to ask you uh, obviously you've written the book uh, The Power of Small with your wife um, Trish how 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 do you write a book together and, and stay together I think is probably the big thing we need to know yeah. that's of obviously you're both psychologists but I'm sure you're coming at it from completely different angles absolutely like um I think there's no two ways about it. You know, it's really challenging to to do any project with anybody and particularly Mm. with, you know, your partner. My wife is the person who I love the most in the world. And, you know, and also, you know, it's really, really challenging to do something that you something with somebody you love. And we have completely opposite strengths and weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, we talk in the book about do, do, go, go and back away, not today. So sometimes my tendency could be just go sit down and just start writing and writing and writing. And Trish would be more and like, let's plan this. Let's get a really clear sense of it. I, if I had a euro for every time <laughs> that Trish said to me, what's the point during the process of this? Pro- I would not need to win that thousand euro. I don't know, Trish, away. but I'm getting there. OK, <laughs> I am getting there. So we. We really just we really <laughs> try to work to our to our strengths and you know um, Trish is really great at seeing the bigger picture and she's she's just really great at that structure piece and I kind of like to kind of sit down and kind of get it working so we kind of ba- bounce things back and forth with one another and I think the book is a stronger book because it comes from both of our experiences and Trish has struggled with depression in her own in her own life and I've struggled with anxiety in my life so I think that they're very different experiences and I think the blend of both of those I think speaks to more readers than if either of us had written it by ourselves well it's it's a 
sounds like an amazing book and I'm hoping that a lot of people uh, will go out and get a copy of it because I think it's certainly a time of year where we could all do with it. Mm. Uh, the Power of Small by uh, Trish and Ashing Leonard Curtin is out now and it's available and uh, give our best to Trish as well. And thank you for coming in to us today and I hope we've inspired people just to do something something small for themselves today. Thank you, Jenny. Thank you. The Nikki Burns Show with Jenny Green.